Daryl Hall and John Owens jumping on the yacht. You're a rich girl, bitch girl. Your money won't get you too far. Looking very uh, kind of future pimpy there, Daryl Hall. Um, you know, they are on the yacht. Hall and Oates is on the yacht. And uh, they're an interesting group. They, they went through a lot of stylistic changes. I was listening to uh, one of their early records, uh, Good Morning, Good Night, which I, I, I wish there was a live version of Good Morning, Good Night, because I'd play it or like a, you know, top pop thing. Uh, I think it's on their first record. It's actually a really, really beautiful song. And, and it's, guess what? It's been added to the Deep Yacht playlist. So um, they're interesting. Hall and Oates are, Hall and Oates are interesting. Now, I, knew, uh, I used to know a guy who was a tour manager for them. He told me some stories. He said John Oates is like a really cool guy. He loves to play tennis. He would play tennis with John Oates on tour. He didn't have very good things to say about Daryl. But then again, a lot of other people don't have good things to say about Daryl. And when it was a, it was a, a Japanese tour. He, so he tour managed Japan for Hall and Oates. And apparently Daryl had a type of woman that he was, I think it wasn't just Japan. It was like, it was like Southeast Asia. It was Japan. I think maybe Australia, places like that. It was like a, like kind of a Southeast Pacific tour. And Daryl Hall had, had a type of a woman that he was into. And part of his job as the tour manager would be to go out into the audience prior to the show and find Daryl's type of woman and invite them backstage, give them backstage pass. John Oates didn't play that way, apparently. Um, a great song, though, and uh, just a great body of work. They kind of tailed off a little bit in the 90s. I think it was after Daryl Hall's sister-in-law died, who was a co-writer on a lot of those huge hits, the I Can't Go For That Stuff, which is Yacht Rock staple. Totally Yacht Rock staple. And uh, once she passed away, they were not quite the same band. The, the, the hits did not flow. That doesn't mean they weren't talented because they were writing hits before she showed up. You have Sarah Smile, Rich Girl, She's Gone. I mean, all that stuff, Philly Blue Eye Soul, you know, roll out the roll out the red carpet and bring it to the yacht. And that's all in there. They were hit makers before then, but they were huge hit makers like after she showed up. And then they have these weird kind of periods in their catalog where they decide they're going to go do something different for a while. They tried to make a yacht record, like a, like a specifically a yacht record. And it was, um, the portable radio album, which was produced by David Foster. And David Foster is one of the Commodores of Yacht. 
David Foster, uh, Becker Fagan, Jay Graydon, all those guys are, you know, they're, they're, they, they, they drove the yacht from the studios in LA. But when you listen to portable radio, it's, it's, it's a weird record. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it. It's, not, it's definitely not yacht. It's kind of new wavy, but sort of radio friendly new wavy. It doesn't really know what it wants to be. There's some cool tunes on it, but it's not. It's it's like you would think that Hall and Oates, who has all this yacht potential, and uh, David Foster, who really is the one of the skippers of yacht, would just create an epic kind of. LA studio yacht record what didn't happen did not happen um but I'll give you my three Hall and Oates records that if you want to spend some time with them they're really good at the top of the list is War Babies which is produced by Todd Rundgren it, it doesn't sound like anything else in their catalog it is so fucking cool it is really cool it's kind of haunted kind of sci-fi um there's a classic. It was kind of a minor radio hit called Is It a Star on that record. It sounds like, you know, futuristic, like disco funk from, the, you know, the 20th, you know, 21st century. It's very cool. Although now they're in the 21st century, it sounds better than what the 21st century sounds like, which in many cases sounds like garbage. Uh, there's that. Beauty on the Backstreet is another Hall & Oates record that yields many gems while listening. And uh, Along the Red Ledge, which I've talked about before, which is their experimental record where they bring Robert Fripp in and Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick. And John Oates has a lot of uh, lot of songs on Along the Red Ledge. I don't, I don't mind John Oates. I don't mind the John Oates, uh, you know, tracks. I think he's got a decent voice and it's definitely a different feel. Hall and Oates. All the way from Philly, they're on tour. I saw them one time, and it was the Voices. That's another pretty good record, Voices. The Voices is just before they're about to, like, really explode, and MTV's going to take them play. They're all their goofy-ass videos. And then they have G.E. Smith on guitar, who looks like a fucking weirdo. But he's actually an interesting guy. There's a bunch of interviews with him, short interviews, the uh, television, I think it's the Television Association of America. It's a, an association that is there to capture the thoughts uh, and memories of people who played a role in television, which is something we're going to talk about today. It's part of, I, so I, I can kind of segue a little bit into the material based on this show. And G.E. Smith talks about his time on the uh, Saturday Night Live band. And he was a part of Hall & Oates for a while. And he had that weird Hall & Oatesy looking face. He basically, G.E. Smith basically got, got discovered by David Bowie. You know, he's got that, he's got that weird kind of reptilian shark face. And um, he met Bowie at a party and... Uh, Bowie said, hey, we're shooting a video tomorrow. And I need, I need somebody to stand in on guitar for the video. Can you show up? And he's like, yeah, sure. So it was for the track Fashion. He's in the video. 
but I don't, I don't think he doesn't play in the video. I don't even think he plays in the song, but he winds up playing with David Bowie. And then GE Smith takes off. So we're going to talk about uh, history, memory, the memory hole. We're going to get into a lot of that today. We're going to do a drive-by with Alex, Alex Jones, who um, looks like his yacht is going down. We're going to get into Alex Jones a little bit today. Not a ton. Um, I got into it with a bunch of liberals over on Twitter with this whole thing. And I'm like, you know, you guys don't really know what you're talking about. And I'm not defending Alex Jones, by the way. I wasn't defending Alex Jones. You know, my sources tell me that Alex Jones, and we talked about this yesterday. By the way, did a show with Nish yesterday. It was a great show. Two hours with Nish. Tom was there. Misaki was there. Uh, Is anybody else from chat there? I don't know. But it was a great show. I always love talking with Nish. And we talked about the Alex Jones thing a little bit. And so there was a picture of Alex Jones a long time ago on the internet in full-on Masonic garb. He's wearing an apron and everything. So, you know, I'm pretty convinced that Alex is a Mason. And one of the reasons why he, I believe he's a Mason is because he never talks about him. He never talks about Freemasonic. He, zip. So I brought it up on a liberal thread. You know, they're, they're just dancing in the streets now. It's a good week to be a liberal. Really good week. Kansas, oh man, they love, they love that Kansas decision. Eh, Kansas like, well, we're going to, we're going to let the uh, old abortion thing just kind of sit where it is. We're good, right? We're good. And now all of a sudden there's all these uh, really loving articles about rural America on Bloomberg. Rural America, it's more green than you think. So now they're going to court rural America. Oh, we like you. We like you. You're so good. You're such great Americans. Do you want a hug? You want a hug? We'll give you a hug. Come on over. I know that orange man was so bad. So bad. You need a hug. So that was that. And then they're, they're getting ready to dance on the grave of Alex Jones. Effigies. They're going to burn effigies of Alex Jones. If they could hang Alex Jones, they'd hang him. They would hang him. Now, it's been a long time. I don't really watch Alex Jones. I'll tell you when I watched him. I watched him when he was brought in. He And he was brought in when Trump ran for president. Alex Jones got a call. Said, you were going to bring the alt-right into the fold. You are going to be the guy that is going to do the handshake with Trump. So people who did not take Trump seriously, I was one of those guys. I never took Trump really seriously. I did take him seriously when he started to debate only because his debating was masterful. How he would just take people down like, drive-bys, right? I didn't take him seriously as a president. I took him seriously as a candidate because I'm thinking, first of all, they're giving this guy a lot of screen time. They never did that with Ron Paul. Fuck that. You know, Ron Paul, during the uh, 2008 election, who was blowing up, getting all the money from the money bombs, and they would give him like two minutes at a debate. They'd put him at the end. 
you know, of the, you know, Trump would always be kind of, you know, sort of left of center or right of center. He wasn't like, you know, in the nosebleed seats at the end of the debate line. That's where Ron Paul was. And Ron Paul never got any, any airtime. And if you got airtime, it was people like Tucker Carlson who were deriding Ron Paul. Tucker Carlson derided Ron Paul. And a lot of people who are into Ron Paul and the whole libertarian idea never forgave Tucker Carlson for that. So um, Alex was brought in. Like, there is a strategy there. The strategy is we've got to get people who are more libertarian in nature because Alex Jones, huge Ron Paul guy, both from Texas. Uh, Ron Paul's a Mason, by the way. He's a Freemason. So there we go. Alex Jones, you know, supporting one of his lodge brothers. Maybe not his exact lodge. And then all of a sudden he goes like this, takes a hard right, and he's going to support Trump. And every day it was Trump, 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 Trump. And his role was to give Trump a seal of approval so that his disaffected people who were anti-government, more libertarian, would move in the Trump direction. That's what Alex Jones's role was. And he has talked about, like Alex Jones is fucked up and tortured because he's gone back and forth with Trump so many times. Like he would call him out, he would divorce him, then he'd come back and, you know, it's all in his head too. It's like, it's like he wouldn't have Trump on his, he had Trump on his show one time. It was, it was in 2016, but it was never like, you know, Hey, can we talk it out? It was never that. He was just, you know, having the breakup and makeup in his head. Uh, he, I mean, and then he would even go on the air and he said this publicly. He said, I wished I had never backed Trump. He said that. But then two weeks later, he's backing Trump again. And it's like, so, you know, in his, in, in his defense, his, um, his defense was that, he that that at some point we had to take a stand and that he had to go with a guy and then that was it alex went all in on trump because that was the moment he realized okay this is our best shot you know i vetted him he probably got a phone call and said look this is what you got to do blah 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 and if we go back and, and look at the kind of the underground murmurs of why trump ran their the underground murmurs was that the military wanted him to run want you to run that was the word right and then what does he do he brings three generals into his cabinet all three are wrong by the way but he brings them in anyway did you see that with biden did i didn't the only guy that he brought in was lloyd austin and he was fucking retired he was he was working for Dying Corp or Rand or whatever, whatever, whatever one of those military industrial complex suppliers are. We brought him in, but there is no generals. Trump had three. I remember all three of them sitting together at you know his State of the Union address. So I believe that there is some truth to that. That Trump was asked to run. And so he did. I don't think he expected to win. I talked about that before. So if there is the connection with like the DOD, 
the DIA. I think Alex Jones is in that mix. Alex Jones has always been spooky. He's been spooky. And he, he's somebody who will give you 80% of the truth and then 20% deflection. And if you know where that 20% is, you can tune it out and you can grab some salient stuff from his 80%. And I, I think that there, there are times when Alex is his own worst enemy. And you can tell that he is unhinged and he does drugs. And, uh, you know, there is a, the second Stop the Steal rally. And there were three Stop the Steals. The first one was, like, very successful. It was, it was um, peaceful, right? And that, that happened, I believe, after the election, but not on inauguration day so he had a, he had a uh, he was there the first one was i'm like wow this is peaceful very harmonious there was something about that it was like the american people are finally coming out and it should have just stopped there right it should have just stopped there have you ever had a date like what one date where it was like just magical and you go back for the second date and you're like, fuck, why did I do this? That happened to me one time. <laughs> it was a crazy, 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 crazy time. Crazy time. San Francisco, warm summer night. I was at uh, Cafe Vesuvio. It's where all the beats drink in North Beach. I was having one of those magical nights. And I, wrote, I had a carpet ride. And, you know, had a carpet ride with, you know, another person. It was a magical night. No, doesn't happen all that often, actually. Trust me. Back in the day, I was not that guy. I, I, was, I was not a one-night stand guy. It was not my thing. Never really worked for me. Well, back then, didn't work. Later on, when it became a bit more of a reprobate, that was a different story. But I was, I'm reformed now from that. Trust me. It was a long time ago, rear view mirror. So I had this magic carpet ride. I'm like, wow, it was really great. You know, let's go out and have a, have a real date. So I went out and had, had, a, had, a, had a real date with, with this person. It was a disaster. It was such a disaster that I actually hit a bicyclist on the way home. That's how much of a disaster it was. That's, it was a real fucking disaster. I'm like, what the hell just happened there? And the bicyclist was, he, he was, I didn't, it wasn't like I was going fast or anything. It was at a stop sign. I was just so distracted. And it was down in the mission and he was riding his bike across. I didn't even see him. I hit him. He wanted to know if I was okay. And he looked at his bike, oh, my bike is fine. And I'm like, holy shit. Okay. I, I just hit a saint. That's what the second stop the seal was. First one, kind of magical. Night Cafe Vesuvio in San Francisco. The second second one, it got ugly. You know, Alex was uh, losing his shit. I mean, it's just ugly. It went ugly. And then with the third, it's like, okay, you push it a little bit here on the second one. Now you've got the third one, and it's really not good. Should have stopped at the first one. But um, I do think Alex is a gatekeeper. Alex, you got Steve Pachinik in there. Alex, 
Steve Pachinik and his watermarks and Steve Pachinik with, you know, Steve Pachinik is a fucking spook. He's a spook. He works to the highest bidder, brings Roger Stone in. Roger Stone, Trump's one of Trump's cronies. And every time I'd listen to Roger Stone, I'm like, why the fuck did I just waste an hour of my time? This guy says nothing. You would think that somebody who, you know, knows all these people and knows all this shit might actually reveal something, but he never revealed anything. I'm like, you've got him on your payroll and it's ridiculous. And it's like, but that's what, this is what happened with Alex. And, uh, you know, I, so I'd listen to him during the election because I thought it was interesting. It was like, there's a lot going on here. And of course you have the buildup of the alt-right. You've got all the alt-right posers, Mike Cernovich, uh, Jack Posobiec. Jack Posobiec is Naval Intelligence, by the way. Mike Cernovich, you know, um, uh, just not real trustworthy, not real trustworthy. So you have Emilio Yiannopoulos, all these people from the alt-right just pop up like mushrooms. Um, and, you know, they've started going after Alex in, I think it was 20, 2018, they started going after him and they started to cancel him across all the platforms. Uh, and, you know, he stayed, he stayed in business. He got his own thing, band.video and uh, selling lots of product. You know, that's how he stayed in business was his product. So then he gets into trouble with Sandy Hook, line and sinker. And when you look at the trial, the trial is really bizarre. It is so bizarre. Like this trial. There was already another trial, and he didn't show up at that trial. So they immediately awarded the Sandy Hook families, a victory in that trial. He didn't even show up. Why? I mean, when you look at Jim Fetzer and Alex Jones, Jim Fetzer, I think he got sued as well. Jim Fetzer wrote a book. It's called Sandy Hook Didn't Happen or something like that. And Fetzer and I think his publisher had to stand trial and they actually fought. And of course, the judge would not let any most of Jim's stuff. I, I didn't really follow Jim's trial all that closely, but I know that he made a number of mistakes. Maybe, maybe I can talk about that with Giuseppe when I'm on Giuseppe's show. We can talk a little bit about that. Um, but Jim Fetzer is still selling his book. You can still get it. I don't know if he was given any uh damages or, or the family's given any damages, but but he actually went and defended himself. Alex didn't even defend himself. And I always found that to be bizarre. It's like, that is bizarre. Why didn't Alex Jones mount a serious defense against this and ask for discovery and the death certificates? I mean, you know, why didn't he go there? He didn't. Every time I ever saw somebody from the hard left confront Alex Jones. He folded. He folded. They, they, they set him up with the whole comic ping pong pizza thing, right? That was a whole setup. Then the comic ping pong stuff was a bit of a honey trap. Like there's a there, there, trust me, there is a there, there, you know, when you look at uh, Abramovich and, and, uh, 
the Podestas and, and the art and the whole weird, really weird shit around comic ping pong. And you look at the, the Twitter feed, uh, not Twitter, Instagram, and like a little kid who's all taped down. I mean, it's just fucking weird, right? The art, it's like the, the, the symbols, like, okay, they're revealing something here, but it was also a honey trap. So Alex Jones, of course, is talking about this. And then one day, this guy shows up from North Carolina whose father supposedly happens to be either a spook or, you know, government-related, whatever. This guy shows up and, and supposedly starts shooting up in Comet Ping Pong because he wanted to kill the pedophiles. So then this guy who is a lawyer from New Jersey just happens to be there having lunch with his family and gets an interview with Alex Jones and dismantles him. I mean, Alex just basically bent over for this guy. Oh, I'm sorry that you had to go through all that. I was like, why don't you... Like, question the dude. How often do you go to Philadelphia? Why did you go there? I, I just, that was the time. I remember watching that interview. And that's when, not that I, like, really respected Alex Jones. But it's like, oh, well, you know, this guy is, he's a kook. He's an Aquarian. He's, you know, he's kind of a wild card. He's a kook and a spook. But I'll listen to him. He's interesting. He's funny. But when that interview happened, it was like, dude, you just did, you did not handle that well. They set your ass up. Or maybe he let his ass be set up. That's the other thing. You never know. It's like, this is, the whole thing is weird. And he doesn't defend himself. There's no effort to get any discovery. So then they rule in favor of the families. And now in Texas, they're in the settlement phase. And this is going on. And do you know what Alex's lawyer did? So Alex Jones said, oh, I don't use email. I don't use email because they, they wanted to get, get his emails. Alex Jones's lawyer. Apparently, Alex gave the lawyer access to his cell phone or his email, whatever. Alex Jones's lawyer accidentally sent every single email and text message to the prosecuting attorneys. The, the attorney that the attorney or attorneys that are representing the families, they got everything, everything. Who the hell does that? Lawyers don't make mistakes like that. They don't do that. And lawyers are part of a, they're, they're, they're part of a, um, sort of a society. The bar is a society. And they're all, they're all barred up. Trust me, they, the lawyers, will go at each other and then they'll meet each other for drinks later and laugh. That's what they do. Every now and then you'll encounter maybe some real animus with, with between lawyers, but it's really you know, like, um, you know, WWE wrestling or WWF, whatever the fuck they call it. The, the, it's basically Vince McMahon style wrestling. They purport to have an anti, uh, an, an, an animus, towards one another animosity towards bullshit. Most cases it's bullshit because they all work for the same entity. 
So who does that, right? Like he fucked Alex Jones huge. Now, theoretically, Alex Jones, that fall, it's, there's a very fine line here, but it starts to fall under the perjury category. So while they're trying to essentially ruin him, completely bankrupt him, now there's a potential that Alex Jones could go to prison. And the, the part about this, you said, well, it's Alex Jones. Who cares? He's a gatekeeper, right? The part about this is that it sets a precedent. It's not, even though it's a civil case, it is, it is not a criminal case, just like how OJ Simpson was found guilty in a civil court and, you know, had to, you know, sell his trophies or whatever to, to pay uh, Ron Goldman's dad. It, it, OJ was not incriminated in a criminal court. So even Alex Jones was not incriminated, but in a civil case. So there's now precedent for libel. When you say something about somebody and it's believed to be potentially false or libelous, now you've got the Jones case. So I think today or tomorrow, they'll probably throw down a verdict and uh, I would not be surprised if uh, this is this would be the end of Alex Jones, and the Al- the Alex Jones um, operation would be, you know, literally figuratively over, done, right? And it's going to be a celebratory celebratory day. It'll be having a gila all day next week, and then and then you know the idea here ultimately is to get after Trump. You know, everybody that's kind of in that, in that, so they're, they're just trying to pick them off one by one by one by one by one by one by one, and then cast a wide net to people who question reality. We're going to get into that. We're going to get into the, the burning thing and about question reality because it came up yesterday on Nisha's show, and I'm going to talk more about it today because I think it's a, a very, it's, I think it is probably one of the topics that we need to touch on. It has far-ranging implications. Um, all right. Welcome to the show. I mean, I'm already, what, 30 minutes in. I just had to do a little bit of a rant there on Alex Jones. So if you're listening to the podcast, thank you for doing that. Let's uh, let's go into uh, Chataria. Let's see what we have here. Uh, Ryan is here. What's going on, Ryan? Uh CC Jones. Oh, I, I added a new song to Deep Yacht. I was really in, in the in the bins last night, the digital bins. So I'm like, okay, what about groups like Malo or El Chicano? Do they have any yachty material? The first thing I discovered, I started to listen to some Malo and uh there's a full length Malo record. I mean, it's like, it's like one long fucking record. Like it's all like one thing. And I'm like, man, this is really interesting. There's like some like great instrumental passages. Like, wow, this is cool. I'm going to go back and listen to that, uh, that Malo record, but there was no yacht in Malo. And then I went, did the same thing with El Chicano, you know, that group, tell her, tell her she's lovely. 
I'm like, okay, if they can do tell her she's lovely, it's like, it's kind of, it's kind of yachty. Then I found, I found kind of a yachty track in the El Chicano catalog. And I put it on the deep yacht list. And when I went through the comments, everybody was like, wow, this doesn't sound anything like their catalog. So smooth. So cool. I'm like, on the yacht. On the yacht. See, I, I want to be diverse. That's the other thing. This is this is a, um, a celebration of diversity. Truly. So now we've got El Chicano on the yacht. Little barrio yacht. Cool. All right. Who else do we have? Is Ace on the yacht? Oh, how long has this been going on? Paul Carrick. You know, uh, Tom, I'm going to have to revisit Ace's catalog. Paul Carrick, pretty smooth voice. And Paul Carrick had three hit making stops along the way. He was the singer for Ace when that hit. How long has this been going on? Kind of like it sounded a little American rhythm section y, that tune, which is good. Then he leaves Ace and he becomes a singer for Squeeze. And big hit, huge hit, Tempted. But Paul Carrick's not done. He's got one more stop on the hit making tour. And that's being the vocalist for Mike and the Mechanics. I got to get into the Ace catalog. Wendy says is here. What's going on, Wendy? Uh, let's Sony pre-up appointment with cardio. Oh, Sony, we love you. We love you, Sony. We're all here. Maurice 100. He's in today. Let's see who else do we have? Um, love this song. There we go. Daryl Hall, that is. Daryl Hall had the best fucking hair. That guy had great, doesn't matter what era. And I remember like being in my late teens, early 20s. I'm like, I don't, you know, and my hair's not bad. You know, and I pretty similar hair. I'm like, I want Daryl Hall hair. I want that Daryl Hall look. I never quite got it. That's okay. Yeah, we love you, Sony. Uh, let's see, Julie Sunshine, triple three, she's here. That coat must have been hot under the lights. I'm sure it was, but you know what? It's worth it for Art Michael. They used to say this is about Patty Hearst. I don't know. It could be. Um, so you guys probably know this, but I used to work at this Walgreens in Belmont, California. And Patty Hearst used to shop there. <laughs> it was like, the word would go, hey, Patty Hearst is here. It's Patty Hearst. I think I, I was in photo one day, and I think I helped Patty Hearst. She was there with Bernard Shaw, who was the bodyguard that she eventually married. Uh, let's see. Who else do we have? There's my yacht channel. I really do not like Tot Rock. No, sir, I don't like it. Julie Sunshine, baby, you're a minority. 
you're a minority here. It's okay. It is okay. We'll get to we'll get to the rockabilly at some point. Uh, let's see who else do we have. I saw Hall and Oates on that Voices tour with 2020, which is one of my favorite power pop bands of the 80s. It is uh, today is Thursday. Johnny, aka Yacht Boy here, Rich Girl on Heavy Rotation. Yes, a little deja vu y. Uh, let's see what else. Is Robert our Commodore? I, I am. You have no idea. I'm taking you guys on a journey here pretty soon. We're going on a sea cruise. Susie the Sea Goddess, been in Sacramento since Sunday for in-person work stuff, getting ready to head back to SoCal this afternoon. Glad We're glad to have you, Susie. Anna Sophia is here, the lovely one. What's going on, Anna? Daryl Hall. Do you check out my song request? Walk Between Raindrops, Donald Fagan. We got a yacht request. Donald Fagan's yacht. Okay, we're I'll, if there's a good video for it, I'll tee it up. I can't do it tomorrow because we're on YouTube and YouTube doesn't let me do that shit. But I'll do it on Monday. Okay, you got it. Daryl's son, Darren, on absentee dad, financial struggles. Yeah, Daryl Hall, you can just tell he's an asshole. He's a, he's a Libra. Sorry. John Oates is an Aries. Work for them. Chad is here. What's going on, Chad? Good to see you. Fall all the way from the UK. What's going on, brother? Good to see you. My 61st birthday yesterday sucked hard. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that, Julie. Sorry to hear that. If we were there, we'd, we'd give you a hug. We'd, we'd bring you a cake. We'd bring you some ice cream. And we'd bring you the box set of Yacht Classics. That would be our gift to you. 3D set, Yacht Classics. By Kato. Oh, Michael was there too. Yeah, I remember you were there. Nah, he's not Bill Hicks. Hucklebuck. I got so Joan, Dr. Joan used to work for um Alex Jones's dad, who's a dentist. So she worked for David Jones. And she knew Alex Jones when Alex Jones was a teenager, as they say. So, and she said he was nuts. So he, so, uh, he is, uh, he's not Bill Hicks. And Alex has even talked about it. He liked to play that up for a while. Um, let's see, those people fart rainbow sprinkles. They're dangerous. I think Carrie Lake won, right? Rush Limbaugh was a Mason. That I didn't know, but it doesn't surprise me. Wendy loves the Nightfly record. We're gonna we're gonna have to uh, dive into Nightfly. Uh, Julie, I married a narcissist. That's my secret. Narcissists make it a point to ruin special days. It's what they do. Though I know it's gonna, though I know it's gonna ahead of time. My tender heart can never get used to it. Oh, sorry to hear that, Julie. 
let's see, not all Masons are bad. That, you know, I would say that that's true. I'm going to, I'm going to, you know what, Michael, I'm going to agree with you there. They're not all bad. I had a client who was a Mason one time. And this guy was a 32nd degree Mason. And you know what he told me? This was really interesting. He said, you know, I thought I was going to learn all these really interesting secrets of the universe. And he said, I didn't really get all that. I mean, sure, we talked about these things. But I'll tell you what, what did happen to him was he suffered some really bad shit in his personal life. Like, really bad. I'm like, oh, you know, people tell me their stories when I work with them. I'm like, oh, that's heavy. Some of it was legal. And I'm like, you're not being helped out here? Your brotherhood is not helping you out? Oh. All right, so you're 32nd degree Mason. You're uh, not getting the secrets of the universe. Um, and your, your brethren are not bailing you out in certain legal circles. I don't know. What, so it's like, where's the benefit there? So I would say you're absolutely right, Michael. Uh, Trump candidates doing well. Carrie Lake for governor. Was we had last time I checked. We'll see what happens. Good morning. New age is old age now. Uh, this is the magic age. This is the now age. This is the now age. That was always the subtitle for my website, Astrology for the Now Age. Painfully is here. Good morning, Taze. What's happening, Taze? Alex got gaslighting. Well, did you ever? Um, CC Jones, I'm pretty suspicious of everyone these days with good reason. Uh, 600,000 military quit since 2021. Ashamed to be associated with trannies and refused vax. That is a big number. And I knew that there was a large number that were um, checking out. That's that's a really big number. Uh, some of those shows you did with Rogan were painful to watch. The first one was interesting because, you know, they had a beef. And so they were trying to settle their beef on that show. I thought the first one was interesting. It was, it was the, I think the most watched episode in on the internet. It might still hold some records. It was a huge show. The second one was kind of pathetic and it was just Alex getting more and more drunk and it was hard to watch. Uh, Chad says, Alex has always been difficult to support amongst his supporters. I'm just critical of what actual good actually comes from alternative, uh, alternative media and culture, not to be negative. Well, I think there's a lot of good that comes from it. You know, there's a lot of people that I know that you come into contact with this show that are and have been a part of it. For instance, the show I did with Nish yesterday, you know, it was a, it was a Skype call, but Nish just takes some of that and puts it out on her podcast. I think the best parts of alternative media um, are are the ones that people don't hear about or know about. I mean, it's always always you know rise the the you know the the I'm going to call and this is not has nothing to do with any kind of connotation 
with any person of race or color, but they always raise the brown cream to the top, right? They always bring the shit phone to the top. Generally speaking, this is what happens. And there are a lot of people that are beneath that. Then there's a reason why they're, they're beneath that. Because they have not been targeted. Say, okay, we're going to lift this person up or they're not in on it. By and large, that doesn't occur. So there are people who do really good stuff in the alternative media world. Um, and I know quite a few of them. So I would say the alternative media world that we don't know about or the ones, the alternative media that we do know about that we do see see the front face of the alternative media world, they're problematic and they're there for a reason. The whole Q thing, and I've talked about this before, is really problematic because there were people who were dedicated to hardcore research around these topics. I mean, really hardcore research, like going in and really looking at the documents and pouring over things and, you know, trying to make connections and players and the whole nine yards. Right. I mean, there's there, that was going on. And Q comes along and basically hijacks the entire model, brings people in, creates the aura of a religion and somehow manages to fuse the Christian right with what I'd call the new age right and bring them together. Now you have this really huge demographic. Then you have this narrative going on about what's, what's happening in places that you can't see. None of it was ever provable. And I'm not saying that some of those things may or may not have happened. Uh, I'm not going to dismiss outright trafficking and adrenochrome and all the stuff that has been talked about, but they brought it out in a way. And, and I've talked about this, that that whole mechanism with the children is the emotional driver. This is what happens. They use children and it, it is the emotional fuel, both on the right and the left to get them infuriated about the desecration of the innocence. And so they don't want anybody to, uh, you know, to, to besmirch that they, it's like, this is our, this is our crusade. This is the hill we're going to die on. Right. So that's all, all part of it. So Q has a lot of this stuff and, and any number of other things that come into play, puts everybody into this big rubric. Right. And then what happens? Then they go after Trump and January 6th. And now all of a sudden everything is analogous to Q. Like if you were a serious researcher, you're just tossed into the into the cue bucket. This is what happened, and it was not a good thing. I, I, look, I will say that there was an interesting element to it. I've said it before. The interesting element is that it was like an incubator, and a bunch of people who didn't know very much about how things work behind the scenes got dosed. They got dosed and they got dosed fast. And all of a sudden they're having these red pill moments. The problem at that point is as they get red pilled and they're going down the rabbit holes, they've got what? They've got shepherds and they're leading them into certain places. It's like, okay, you just had your Neo awaken into the matrix moment. And guess what? We're going to take you 
into a version of truth that looks like truth, but it's really another version of the matrix. And that's exactly what happened. So there was an awakening that was taking place. And, I, and, I, and I, I, I've said that before, but at the end of the day, it was dangerous for a number of reasons. Number one, there was always this trust the plan, get your popper. I remember watching these fucking Q videos that looked like they were produced in a Hollywood studio. Like, who does that? How do they get so slick, right? And I, 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 I don't trust slick in that way. I just don't. I'm like, shit, this is, this is an operation. Like, if I had any doubts, once I saw one of these videos, I'm like, this is a fucking operation. So now, uh, in the aftermath of all of this, right, you cannot talk about some of the things that we talk about without being just, you know, painted with this broad brush that you are one of them. It's a, it, it's a brilliant plan, genius plan. You know, create a group of people that look like they're fucking nuts, a large group. So you, you take this idea of truth and then you weaponize it. This is exactly what happened. And Alex Jones, who likes to say that he's the tip of the spear, he was the tip of the spear of the weaponization. Now, to Alex's credit, he was not a Q guy. Alex didn't like Q. He came up with his own little version of Q, some guy who's another DOD dude, spent a lot of time, like, oh, I forget what his name was. But he would bring him on, and he was like, it was like he was Alex's deep throat. It was Alex's answer to Q. The whole thing is fucking weird. Um, let's see who else we have here. China would defeat USA in a conflict. You know, I would say if it was right now a war with uh, typical military, yeah. And you know why? It, it's it's not because the military has been weakened, although that's true. It's because you got people like Lloyd Austin in charge. That's why. Uh, let's see who else we have. Posobiec pissed people off talking to John Stewart. Oh, I know. John Stewart, who cares so deeply about the veterans. John Stewart, who cares so deeply about the first responders 9-11. John Leibovitz, whose brother is the head or was the head for a long time of the uh, New York Stock Exchange. Painfully wars are planned. When and if it goes hot, I wouldn't bet against heritage Americans. That's the other part of what I was going to say. And I agree with you, Steve. Like on the uh, industrial military complex scale, I would say painfully is probably right on that. When it comes to what Steve is talking about, I'm going to check that box with Steve. Um, let's see what else we have. Fetzer's trying to move his case to the Supreme Court. Thanks for your update on that, Uncle. But you guys are so important to this show. You bring some really interesting information. My thing is easy to criticize Alex and the alt-right, a way to make patriots look bad. But America is a Freemasonic shtick itself. We're all set up of examples of how freedom is a fall. Hmm. 
Well, what else, what else are we going to do? It's an interesting point, Chad, but what else are we going to do? Or, you know, are you going to, um, I, I guess in that scenario, the best thing would be to just be Dow, just be Dow, be the uncarved block, but we're not wired that way. It's not part of our nature. It's not part of our, it's not part of our philosophical hunter gatherer DNA. We're, we're not that. We're not that. I think it's easier from the Asian perspective to embrace concepts like the Tao. Because again, I don't want to get into like deep genetic shit, but the, the, we're, we're just wired differently. And I'll give you an example. Um, Richard Wilhelm, who was the translator, the first translator of the Book of Changes, the, the I Ching or the I Ching, however you want to pronounce it. He was also a friend with, he was friends with Carl Jung. And Richard Wilhelm immersed himself so deeply into that world, he felt like he was going insane. And Jung said, if you stray too far from your cultural roots and moorings, you will lose yourself and you will lose your bearings and you'll lose your mind. And that's actually what happened to Richard Wilhelm. He lost his shit. And Jung told him, he said, look, that's not where you come from. Like you can explore it. You can, you, you know, talk about the ideas. But when Wilhelm went into that mind so deeply, he completely lost who he was and where he came from. So I think that there is a part of us here Again, I'm a guy living in this body, in this lifetime. This is what I incarnated into, okay? I didn't incarnate into like a, a drug family in Colombia. Um, I didn't incarnate into the life of a, of a Vietnamese woman doing nails. I didn't incarnate. I didn't incarnate into the life of a young gangbanger in Chicago. This is my incarnation in this time. So I have to study this to some degree. I'm here to learn something about this thing. Am I this thing? Ultimately, no, none of us are the things that we are here, here and now. It's a byproduct of what you inherit genetically, culturally, all the things that go along with it. And that's a paradox. You are the thing, but you're not the thing. You're the center of the universe, but you're not the center of the universe. This is the, this is the dance that we do, right? So when we're here, okay, I'll give you another example. And then I'm going to move on. Thank you for all your comments. And we're going to get into some, uh, some uh, true M signs. But I'll give you an example. There's a video making the rounds on uh, Twitter. I am not going to show it to you, though, because it is fucking traumatic. I'll describe it to you. The video is of a guy who is a refugee from Africa who had been given asylum in Italy. And in the video, on right on the sidewalk, he is cooking a cat. That's what he's doing. He's cooking a cat. And likely could be somebody's house cat. And there's this Italian woman, older, who's losing her shit. Can't do anything about it. 
it it's it's hard to unsee. It's very hard to unsee. And and even the person videotaping it, it's like, what is going on here? Why are you videotaping this? Are you morbidly um, you know, engrossed in this moment? Are you trying to gather evidence? Or are you doing that so that you can put it out on the internet and it can traumatize people and it can uh show people just how much of a hell is being created. The reason I bring it up is because if that guy was in Africa, he'd have to work for that fucking cat. Okay. He'd have to work for it. Like, you know, he'd have to hide somewhere in a bush, right. Or he'd have to, you know, jump out and run after, okay. You had to work for it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Eat it up. It's your place. You had to work for it. People out here shoot deer. In Italy, it's a fucking house cat. How you don't have to work for that shit. And by the way, he's getting the stipend. He's heating just fine. I can guarantee you that. But it's like this is what I'm talking about, right? This is not his culture. It's not his culture. And this woman is old woman is watching the things that she's cherished just absolutely getting destroyed. Somebody said, oh, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing. That'll that'll help her with her bias. That'll help her with her so-called white privilege, right? So we have these things that are inherent in us, for better or for worse. It's the way it is. We're separate, but we're all part of the, the same family. And sometimes we have parts of our family we don't like very much. We don't talk to them. That could be said for the, for the species. The problem is, is that when it gets imbalanced, that's when the, homeostasis is the goal, right? Homeostasis imbalance is the goal. When, when it's not homeostatic and it's imbalanced and we're dealing with a significant amount of imbalance right now, that's when we have the issues. That's when our psychic and emotional and spiritual moorings are absolutely corrupt. You know, um, on Nisha's show yesterday, we were talking about the 70s and we were talking about uh, good times. And there's an episode, like every now and then in good times, you'd have these pimp-like characters show up. And they would be funny but they would also, there, there is usually a, a morality tale to not messing around with these characters. And there was this one uh, episode where this pimp was paying JJ, because JJ was a painter, and he was paying JJ uh, money to paint for him. And then he had this girlfriend uh, that uh, his lady, portrait of the lady. It was not very flattering, by the way. Um, she loses her shit. And, and anyway, long story short, JJ's dad, James, James Sr., played by uh, John Amos, whom I love. John Amos, great actor, uh, one of the stars of Roots, takes it to the pimp and basically says, like, get the fuck out of here, right? I mean, he, he, the Jefferson's apartment. There's a picture of Jesus on the wall. 
Think about that. There's a picture of Jesus. I mean, there is something about that scene and setting with that family. And even though it was comedic and the characters were, you had Michael, you had Thelma, they were, they were all kind of a little off. I'm not off. They were kind of exaggerated. I would say that. They were a little exaggerated. They have to be in TV. They got it right. They got it right. And they got it right from the standpoint of this is a family. They're working hard. They, you know, they're doing their best to navigate through these uh, tricky situations in their life. And they do with humor. Um, they do with some lessons and some morality. And we were talking about this yesterday. If that was moved up into the present, Jesus wouldn't be on the wall and the pimp would be the star of the show. And that gets into the rest of what I want to talk about today. Before I do, let's get a little True Gem Science in here, which is a sponsor of the show. And I'm going to bring it up here. So again, last night, Gummy World event helped me out. Once I went through my uh, my crate digging, my digital crate digging with El Chicano, um, I was ready to go to bed. And uh, my gummy kicked in. Even though it was late, about 10 minutes after my head hit the pillow, boom, boom, alcohol delights. Uh, and yesterday I was actually taking some CBD uh, during the day as well. That usually happens. I go upstairs. I go into my reading phase. I'll do about two or three readings for people a day. And while I'm up there, I'll have a few drops of CBD because I'm sitting down for an extended period of time. And it seems to work. You know, when I get up, I don't get all creaky. Oh, shit. I should have stood up while I was doing those readings. So I'm strategic when I do the CBD. It's usually there when I do the readings. And um, then late at night with the gummies. That's my regimen. And um, for me, it's working, especially on the sleep side. So if you go to uh, Chris's website, which is truemscience.com, and I'm giving you uh, the, the exact address, uh, backslash ref, backslash 23, uh, you can go there, truemscience.com, backslash ref, backslash 23. Spend $100, you'll get free product from Chris. $150, you'll get free shipping. Type in 15 minutes, 15 minutes. That's the code. Uh, people have been very satisfied with the product. And if they weren't, I wouldn't be doing this. Trust me. If people say, oh, this is shit. Oh, no. And it's like, no, it's not. Right? I'd say, okay, well, I need to revisit that. And if Chris was an asshole, didn't help people, that wouldn't work either. Right? So it's a fit all the way around. And uh, if you want to try some of the CBD, go ahead and get that. All right. So let's talk about some of the things that I was talking about yesterday on this show, because I thought it, was, it would be a good topic of conversation. We've got, what, about another 21 minutes left. I can get into 21 minutes. Um, this kind of dovetails with the conversation that I had yesterday. And I was talking about search results. And it had to do with Nancy Pelosi, who, by the way, is now in Korea. It's the Nancy Pelosi uh, thumb my nose at China, even though I'm playing with China tour. Um, 
and I and I, I distinctly remember like okay this is from 2020 this is from 2020 this is from 2020 why and oh 2019 maybe 2018 slips in not, not much further back than 2018 and with Google you can go through the different pages you can go down to page six seven forty whatever right. DuckDuckGo does not do that. DuckDuckGo will tell you, see more results, see more results, see more results. If you want to go deep into DuckDuckGo, you'll see more results for a fucking hour, okay? At least you get a, a bit of a shortcut with Google. But neither reveal very much, and most of the content is within the last three years. So I began to think about this and spurred a conversation over on uh, uh, Nish's show slash call. And it has to do with the eradication of material from the internet. And this gets into the whole Sandy Hook thing. There are people who did like all these videos on Sandy Hook and wrote about it and looked at how, you know, strange and anomalous these things are, right? Like the guy running through the woods and the, and the guy chasing after the guy in the woods and nobody talking about it. And all the mortgages were paid off, right? All this weird shit. It's gone. Memory hold. And that's just one example, but there's more. So they've done, theoretically, an incredible job of digitizing our material, digitizing our history, what could happen to that history? Well, I can tell you right now, it's getting erased. You can't find anything anymore. It's all like 2019, 2020 shit, right? You can't find anything. And then we were talking about music and TV shows and movies from, you know, a previous time. And it would be very easy to... Um, look at, and they're already doing it. Like, look at, look at the Rolling Stones. The Rolling Stones won't play Brown Sugar anymore. I, I could care less about the fucking Rolling Stones, by the way. They won't play Brown Sugar anymore. That's kind of a memory hole moment, right? Dr. Seuss, memory hold. See, this is where it starts. And then it goes a little deeper, a little deeper, a little deeper. And then ultimately, the idea that is being posited, and we'll, maybe we'll get into this with Chris and Steve tomorrow, um, about critical race theory, is that everything is racist. Everything. It's systemic. It's like cancer. It's in the system. So in order to eradicate cancer, you nearly have to kill the body, right? You have to remove the tumor, cut it out, get radiation, chemo, all that shit. So the idea of systemic racism is the same thing that in order to eradicate racism, you have to literally eradicate everything that the culture has stood for and burn it to the ground. And by doing that, that is the only way you'll be able to eliminate racism because it's systemic. That means that TV shows, even something like Good Times, which showed the black family in a very favorable and loving light. Oh, well, a bunch of white people created the show. The only thing about black people is cultural appropriation. It's got to go, right? 
And that's on the good time side. What about with uh, Dirty Harry at the beginning of Dirty Harry? Where, you know, he's got the famous scene. I know what you're thinking, punk. Did he fire five shots or six? What I have here is a 357 Smith and Wesson Magnum. You know, blow your head. It is the most powerful handgun in the world. It'll blow your head right off. Now, I'm going to ask you, are you feeling lucky today, punk? Written by John Milius, by the way. And who's on the ground? One of the robbers. Happens to be black. By the way, that guy shows up in about six Clint Eastwood movies. He's a friend of Clint Eastwood's. Employed him. But that would never be talked about as part of the narrative. Not that he had to have a basket case or a charity case. He liked the guy. He liked, it was his friend. Employed his friend. He employed a lot of friends, black and white. Oh, look at that. That's stereotypical. That reinforces the image that we're talking about. Got to go. Right? We're headed in that direction. I, I'm telling you right now, in everything that we're seeing that is part of this January 6th and Alex Jones and Donald Trump, it's all part of it. It is all part of it. Has to go. Has to be burned down. The only way that we can heal as a nation is if we purge ourselves from this scourge that is hateful, anti-American, racist, misogynistic, xenophobic, fascist. And it starts with Alex Jones and it will ultimately wind up with the eradication of content. Now, this is a big deal. Because as we were discussing yesterday, the 70s were like, hey, you know, we're all getting along. 80s were, hey, we're all getting along. 20 years of, hey, we're all getting along. Sly and the Family Stone, interracial. Tower of Power, interracial. Like, we're all getting along. Not a big fucking deal. That changes in the 90s. Rodney King changes everything. Rodney King is a seminal moment in American history. And it, it begins this march forward towards where we are now. And even Rodney King afterwards, he was like, he's fucking sorry. You know, he's like, can we all just get along? And, you know, the guy was out of his gourd on PCP. His big dude, you ever been around somebody who's really fucking high and have lost contact with reality? And they're, they're really big and strong and they don't feel pain. It's problematic. But all of that didn't matter because some of these guys that were the LAPD, was it, uh, was it Valencia or uh, for, I forget now. I, uh, oh, no, 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 no. Simi Valley. Yeah, those guys are assholes. So it was easy to pin on these assholes. Anyway, Rodney King was the start of it all. You know, Rodney King to George Floyd, that's your pinnacle. Anyway, um, they're going to come after this content. 
because they will not stop until it is all burned to the ground. All of it. This is why I have the, the image of Fahrenheit 451. So what's going to happen then? You're going to have a bunch of people who lived through that time and they're not going to have, you're not going to be able to get onto YouTube at some point and watch Leave it to Beaver. By the way, Tony Dow died. Speaking of the Dow, Tony Dow died last week. I didn't talk about it. Symbolic. Very symbolic. So he's um, he's gone, right? It's a symbol because it's the eradication of that thing because everything has been digitized. Remember, 2020 is the cutoff date. 2020 is year zero. It's year zero. COVID is year zero. There is a, a, a BC and then there's an AC. There's a before COVID and then there's an after COVID. 311, when COVID hits, was it January 5th, the Saturn Pluto conjunction, the end of time. And I did a I did a presentation in Austin for a group of people on the Saturn Pluto conjunction. And I put time on the blackboard and I circled it. And we talked about time. And I said, we are about to witness the end of time. Time is coming to an end. And exactly what happened. So 2020 is this pivotal year because this is when we have an election. Remember, I said that every time a president is elected in a zero year, it marks a period of massive change. The paradigm changes. 60 with Kennedy, 80 with Reagan, 2000 with Bush II, 2020 with Joe Biden. And you look at the iterations and the changes of those zero years, and they're enormous. Enormous. We could go through the entire Reagan eight-year period of his presidency. Huge changes. Soviet Union theoretically falls and all that shit, right? I mean, there's more. There's a lot more to it than that, but huge changes. Reagan's the guy that basically indemnifies vaccine manufacturers, opens the door for that. You have the vaccine schedule changing in 1984-85, and boom, we're off and running with this very aggressive campaign. Like the big changes, huge. George Bush 9-11, Glass-Steagall, right? I mean, all this shit. Kennedy, death, assassination, Johnson, you know? The Great Society, I mean, it's huge. And so 2020 is a, a major aspect of that. So the, there's a world that's pre-COVID, BC, before COVID, and there's world after COVID, AC. And they are going to do everything in their power to eliminate as much as they can with the BC. And I brought this up yesterday as well. If you go and look at a lot of like what John Levi's work is about, he, he, he specifically talks about sanitariums and insane asylums. Why the fuck did they have all these sanitariums and insane asylums popping up huge buildings in the middle of fucking nowhere? Why did they have them? Why were there so many? And the population at that time in the United States was not very big. There weren't a lot of people here. Why? Why did they have these things? 
First of all, they had to repurpose them. Second of all, there were people walking around who were convinced that there was another world that they had been a part of and or were seeing. They're like, no, you're, you're wrong about that. You're wrong. You know, you need to go over here for a while so that you can sort all of that out. That's how they did with people that had a memory of a reset in the world that existed before whatever happened. Like there's a pre-1850 world and then there's a post-1850 world. And in the early 1900s, you have all these fires and all this other shit, right? Start to happen. The eradication of that world. This is where we are now. Because why? Because Klaus Schwab is talking about what? The Great Reset. What happens with resets? They basically flush the entire culture historically. And then they start over again. And this is what we're a part of right now. This is what's happening. So the eradication of memory, social, cultural, historical memory is part of it. Okay, let's talk about Build Back Better. Let's talk about their, their great green energy bill that's going to save the fucking United States and bring us out of the you know inflation, all this bullshit, right? It's all about the green agenda. What do they want to do with the green agenda? They want to get rid of all the buildings that were built pr prior to 2020, pretty much. I mean, they may save a few here and there because they got their little ICLEI stamp of approval, but they want to get rid of that stuff. Suburbs, forget it. Eradicate them. Tear them down. They don't meet the new standard. We're going to have to make new buildings in order to comply with the Paris Accord and all this other bullshit. The Rio Summit. They're going to go away. California is not building any new houses. They're like, no, they're going to tear the shit down. Suburb? What's a suburb? We don't, we, no, we don't remember any of that. No, this is, this is, I, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Because when we go into Pluto and Aquarius, we are in the last days of Pluto and Capricorn. And that is the death of culture and time. And when that is over, the new Aeon is going to begin. And in order for the new Aeon to exist, the old Aeon must be burnt to the ground. Whether it's memory, music. This is why I'm playing a lot of this yacht stuff, okay? There's a reason why I'm playing it. You may not like it. But what I am doing is I'm doing my best to anchor something inside of myself and inside of you. And there's other reasons too. I'm looking at my bias with music. Should always look at your biases. I'm looking at my bias in music. I'm trying to find value in things that I didn't value at a certain point in time. It's not like I'm curing cancer. It's just a personal exercise for me. This is what's going on and it's dangerous. I can't tell you how dangerous it is because at a certain point in time, if they're allowed to continue down this path, we will lose everything, everything. And this is one of the reasons why we're in such trouble right now. There are a bunch of people walking around who are empty fucking suits. They have, they have no morality. They have no spirituality. They have no religious grounding. They have no faith. They have no faith that, or they have anti-faith or they've lost their faith. 
So then what happens? Well, this other reality begins to anchor in them because they're, they're just walking vestibules for whatever they want to pour into them. This is what's going on now. And it's, I've been really trying to wrap my head around this idea that we are living in a degraded copy of the world. That something happened, something shifted. And I'm, I'm working on this in my head. And I'm trying to understand like when and where it happened. It, look, there's a cumulative effect. You've got all the stuff that we talk about, GMOs, um, you know, the, the really aggressive vaccines, frequencies, all the shit, right? Programming, it's all part of it. It all, it all bleeds into it. But then you look at the sun, it's not the same sun. It's this fucking white hot sun. It flashes, it blinks. Like what happened here? Like somebody like swapped worlds on us. And, and I look around at people and even people look different. And maybe it's a byproduct of the diet and the byproduct of, you know, the GMOs and a byproduct of whatever they got jacked into them. But even people look different. I'm like, you're like a different species. What, what world am I on? Right. I'm not, so I'm working, you know, through this in my head and I'm trying to understand this degraded copy of the world, which is a recent phenomenon. Was it Y2K? Was it 9-11? Was it 2012? Was it 2020? Was it an iteration of all these things? That's my question. And maybe that's something that we can talk about tomorrow with the crimmies, along with uh, the work of Paolo Fieri, who contributes to a lot of this, by the way. All right, I'm out of here. I don't want to be the, you know, the, the, the guy at the end of the show where the show just cuts off. We're trying to run a professional operation here. Uh, don't forget the event in October. If you don't know about it, David was talking about it, I think, on his live yesterday, which is good. Thank you, David, for that. Uh, in the meantime, meet me over on YouTube tomorrow. You can always subscribe to this if you feel like supporting the show. And uh, on the uh, uh, podcast side of things, thanks for supporting it. We're really growing in that direction. Appreciate it. Hope you're enjoying the content. Use your head in order to discern what's real. Your heart's as possible. I'm Robert Phoenix. We'll see y'all tomorrow. Yacht on. <laughs>